<laughs> but I, I, at this time, I want to invite uh, our brother Wayne Sankey and Joanna to come. And uh, if you would introduce our guests, would you come up here and do that? Give, give the Zankies a warm welcome, if you would. Thank you. Uh, God bless you. Good morning, church. Good morning, people at home. Good morning, Teen Challenge. Um, Teen Challenge changed my life. Years ago, I went in the early 2000s. We sang a song about there's no mountain high enough, no valley low enough. I was down in a dark pit, and uh, I reached out to my wife, and her rope wasn't long enough to get me out. I reached the pastor. His rope wasn't long enough. I reached to the church. I reached to the courts. I reached to the psychiatrist, the psychologist, the different drugs and medications, and nothing was long enough. And I went down to Teen Challenge in Brockton. I spent two years there. And Jesus climbed down into that pit that I was in. He pulled me out when nobody else could. He, amen. Give me a hand clap. I was so messed up. I, like the person in the Bible that was blind and he needed a second touch of mud. Jesus put in his face. I needed a second touch. I came there and, and I fell. I thought commence, when you commence Teen Challenge, mean to finish, that you graduate. No, it doesn't. Commence means to start. And I came home and I closed everything and I put all my tools that they gave me out underneath the porch and I didn't use them and I fell again. And I learned a very hard, valuable lesson. At that point, my wife said, you're not coming home no more. But see, what I just, it just hit me now. The word God gave me is I have plans for you, plans for a hope in the future, plans not to harm you and to prosper you. And that's what God did. And uh, God took me home. And I went home even when... She, God worked on her because he had plans and a hope and a future for her as well to bring us back together. And tomorrow we celebrate 35 years anniversary. Tomorrow. Amen. So, guys, it's okay to want to leave. I wanted to leave every day, but it's not okay to leave. You know, we've run from everything our whole lives, right? Don't run anymore. Run to Jesus. Run to the cross and watch what he does for you. Amen. Enough of me. Brother Nick's going to come on up and introduce the choir of Teen Challenge. Let's give them a, an awesome hand. Thank you, God bless. Hey, this is my son Corbin. Uh, we would like, on behalf of Teen Challenge, to present uh, one of our uh, cutting boards that we make at our center to Pastor. Thank you so much. Hey, God bless you. So, the, so those who might not know, Teen Challenge is a program that helps men, women, and children that struggle with drug addiction. Teen Challenge started over 60 years from one man's calling to go to New York City to try to help some teenage boys that were on trial for uh, murder. This man was named David Wilkerson. Uh, he went to New York City... He ran into the courtroom and he got stopped. He got spun around and he got a photograph taken of himself. Uh, the next morning he woke up in his car. He was asking God all night, uh, what am I to do? Why am I here? So he started walking around. He was praying and these boys ran up to him and they said, hey, Davey, hey, Davey. And he turned around and he said, how do you guys know my name? And they showed him the ad in the newspaper. He became a hero to the kids. And he said he's seen that there was a need. From that, Teen Challenges started. 
from one man's calling, we now have 1,400 Teen Challenge Centers throughout the world, and we have 200 Teen Challenge Centers in the United States. So it's amazing. So today we're going to sing some songs. We're going to share some testimonies. We're not a professional singing group, but what we do is we give glory to God. So here the guys come, and we're going to get started. God bless you. Good morning. Thank you for having us. I just wanted to add on to what we heard about the armor of God. Um, Every day, um, me and my brothers right here, we go through a battle every single day, battling our addictions. And it's a struggle. It's a battle. It's a challenge. But if we want to win today, if we want to declare victory today, we got to remember the victory we had yesterday in Christ Jesus to get us to today and to continue to strengthen us every single day. So as we go to the next song, um, I just want everybody to just get up and stand and sing with us and declare your victory today.
Morning, church. Morning. Morning. How are we doing today? Good, good. God is good. Uh, my name is Michael Kane. I'm uh, from a town in Warwick, Rhode Island. Uh, I'm 22 years old. Uh, I was telling the first service, uh, coming out on choirs is uh, very important to me. You know, it's part of the ministry of Teen Challenge to reach out. Uh, for about 15 years of my life, I, uh, I came to church every Sunday. Uh, every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I, I came to church, but I never actually came to Christ was the thing. And um, coming to Teen Challenge now, I have actually come to Christ. I've come to know Christ. I've come to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the end of my addictions, the end of my suffering, the end of my anxiety, the end of my depression. It all bows at that cross. Once I bow down at that cross with those things, I get up and they're lifted from me. He takes them from me. And I just want to thank you guys for having us here today. It really means a lot to the community of Teen Challenge. When you guys came in this morning, uh, you received a bifold with a, uh, with a prayer card in it. Um, the prayer cards are such an important part of our ministry. Sunday night, we take these prayer cards and we pray over them. Uh, we pray for whatever whatever's written down on the card, whether it's specific or whether it's vague. Um, I was telling the first service, you know, I came into the program on a Friday in, uh, in February. And uh, three days later, you know, we were praying over the cards, and I picked up a stack of them, and I was just blown away at the description that people used and what I was able to pray for. And I was, I was really new to Christ. Like I said, I spent a lot of time in the church but never came to Christ. I picked up one card, and it said, Pray for Joe. And I became frustrated because I didn't understand. 
And as I was walking over to a brother for an explanation, the Holy Spirit just slapped me and told me that it doesn't matter if I don't know who Joe is, where he's from, what he does, or, or who he is, what his family, what he's going through, because our God knows all, our God sees all, and our God can do all. And all I had to do was those three words, pray for Joe. So I prayed for Joe's blessings to flow until his cup overflows. I prayed for, I prayed for him to just go through life and to follow Jesus Christ day after day. On the left side of the card, there's, a, um, there's your information. Uh, if you do want to put your personal information, you can. It's personal, so you don't have to. Uh, if you do put your phone number, you'll probably receive a phone call from us probably two or three times a year. Uh, we want to check up and see how you're doing. You know, we, you wrote down a prayer, and we wanted to pray for it. Now we're checking up to see if you need any new prayer requests, if we can continue to pray for you for any new requests. Or we also like praise reports, too. We want to know how strong the power of prayer really moved in that situation. And we take that, and we bring it to the altar, and we tell our friends and we tell our fellow brothers that remember that person we met on choir well now they're cancer free because we prayed for them over and over again day after day sunday after sunday so i would just encourage any anybody to fill out these prayer cards if you didn't get one please come see us at the end we will be uh, handing them out as well as collecting them uh, and thank you guys again for having us and god bless everybody Jesus, 
just a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. doing today this morning. Uh, my name is Michael. I am 21 years old and I'm from Haverhill, Massachusetts. Um, so I was adopted around the age of three years old, which um, left me with a lot of abandonment issues and anger most of my life. Uh, man. So, um,
I grew up in um, Bradford. I was adopted into a Christian home who loved me and um, wanted the best for me, but because of my my um, anger and the problems I dealt with in life, I had just kept pushing them away. I was a really good athlete. I was a football player and a wrestler. So um, uh, I was really good at sports. So I, I used sports as an out uh, to just, you know, take it out all on the football field or on the wrestling mat. But around the age of 15 years old, I decided to leave home and move across to Haverhill. Um, and live with my girlfriend at the time. I had dropped out of school at 16, um, ended up hanging out with older kids on the streets, um, becoming a, um, a gang member in Haverhill, um, doing a lot of criminal activity and just throwing my life away and pleasing the devil, uh, just living for myself. You know, what comes with that lifestyle is drugs, uh, violence, which... Uh, at the age of 17, I ended up getting locked up for a firearm, and um, I got out. Um, still, still, that didn't change my lifestyle. I kept pushing into the, just my anger kept driving, driving me. A lot of um, assault and batteries. I was just always angry, angry at myself, at the fact that I was left as a kid. Um, you know, Christian, my Christian parents weren't perfect. None of us are perfect. So, you know, feeling the neglect from them a little because of my mental status. So uh, around the age of 18 years old, I, um, I lived on High Street and I, uh, my friend was shot, which led my lifestyle in a spiral out of control even more than it already was. I, um, instead of selling drugs, I now started using drugs. Um, I had moved to Lynn at that point. I wanted to get out of Haverhill. I was getting knee deep in stuff that I just couldn't, my life was just chaotic. I had to get out of Haverhill. So I moved to Lynn, Massachusetts, where I met my um, birth mother and my birth father, who are heroin addicts, where I decided to interact with them and their lifestyle. Um, I felt the only way I felt accepted in being their child was by using with them. So, and that's the only way they accept me. What is he bringing to the table and what are, what do they have? And that's how our relationship was. So I treated them more like friends. They weren't, they weren't my family, um, which led me into meeting my, my whole family, that whole family that just was just chaotic. That whole family has a lot of drug issues, um, which led me meeting my sisters, which just led through a lot of more hurt because of just issues that I couldn't accept as a kid. Now meeting them and finding out, you know, what my idea of my parents were weren't really what my parents were. Um, before I came to Teen Challenge, I had... Um, I committed a, a charge which would lead me into doing some serious time. And um, at that point, I realized that my life was so out of control that um, I just couldn't do it on my own, that I needed, I needed a place to go. I, uh, I didn't want to sit in jail again. I was done with that lifestyle. I was done with the sober houses. I was done with detox centers. So I... Um, a person who is uh, well known out here by the name of Doug Gregan, I had somehow got his number, and I had called him and telling him that you know like I, I need a place, man. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. Like I can't keep doing this same lifestyle anymore. So I called Teen Challenge, and within a day, I was at the program. I had to get the COVID test. I had to get a 
you know, a whole bunch of stuff, but the Lord just somehow provided that. Within that um, next day, I was in I was in Teen Challenge, which now has because I've dedicated my life to Christ and I've completely given my lifestyle, my old lifestyle, to Him. Um, the charges that were um, con- that I was convicted of have been dropped. Um, yeah, by the grace of God, uh, I am no longer a slave to my sin and shame anymore. I no longer reflect in the past of what I did and what I've done that I um, that I know that he looks down on me through the blood of Jesus Christ um, and my, my goal is after I graduate um, is to give back to the community that uh, that I took from so I plan on helping younger kids who went through the same lifestyle choices I went through and very involved in the streets so it's I know what it's like and and I know that it comes from a broken home and comes from a broken family and there's a lot of kids these days that deal with that and um, I'm just I feel like the Lord's calling me to give back and to help kids with that problem the verse I stand on is John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life thank you Again, church. This is the part of the service where we share a few reasons why we come out each and every week. The first is to spread the gospel. Today you heard tangible evidence of how God is working through Teen Challenge. The second reason we come out each and every week is to spread hope that you might know someone, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker that might be struggling with addiction. In the 60 years plus that Teen Challenge has been around, no one's ever been turned away. And of course, the third reason we come out each and every week is to ask for help. Teen Challenge is a nonprofit organization, and we don't get any government assistance. So a few years back, the government came to us and said, you know what? We love your program. We love your success rate. We'd love to help you. But there would be one thing that you would have to do. They said that we would have to take Jesus from our program. They said that we would have to take Jesus from our program. It's a no-brainer. Jesus is who saves. Jesus is who sets us free. We said, you know what? We're going to find another way. So we came up with a dollar a day. For one dollar a day, you can sponsor one of these students. Five years ago, I was released from a prison cell from Youngstown, Ohio. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had a wife. I had two kids. Uh, I knew I didn't learn anything in jail. I knew I was going to go back into the streets and do the same thing I I, I once did. But the doors of Teen Challenge opened. A plane ticket was given to me, so I was on my way back. Today, I stand saved, set free. My family's been restored, and that's all because of uh, the churches who helped me get into the program. So at the end of the service, um, we have a table. We have all kind of information on how to get, uh, you know, people into the program. Uh, we're going to sing our last song, uh, and then we're going to be blessed to have Pastor Anthony preach today. So we're going to sing our last song. Thank you, church. Oh, okay. If everyone wants to stand up and worship with us, this is our last song. Uh, it's kind of our, our theme song at Teen Challenge, so... You like it a lot.
could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried to hide It was my tomb Till I met you Then you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day Then you called my name And I I 
needed rescue. My sins was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan, but now you call me a citizen of heaven. for Jesus this morning? Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Come on now. I'm talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. Amen and amen. You know a teen challenge, brother, when a teen challenge, brother, is in this house because we do Jesus. 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 Come on now, let's give it up for the Lord. Praise him. While, while you're standing, could we give it up for your pastor and first lady? The shepherds of this home? Praise the Lord. And I said this the first service. For me, it's a blessing to see the Ritchie family here. Um, David Ritchie was instrumental as I was a new Christian. He is a man that just loves the word. And um, it trickled down. But if you have your Bibles, can remain standing real quick. I know it's a stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, run for us, run type of thing. <laughs> a little bit of exercise. If you have your Bible, iPads, iPhone, um, Galaxy, or if you have the word in your heart. Amen. Amen. Let's hold it up nice and high and repeat after me. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. If the word of the Lord has transformed your life, can you shout amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Remain standing. We're going to look at the book of Samuel. If you have a Bible, just crack it open right in the middle. Let me see. Go down two streets. And you'll see Samuel hanging out right there on, on 1st Street, building number 9. I'll put it all together. 1st Samuel, chapter 9. Got it? Amen. When you're ready, when you have it, say, I'm ready. You're not ready, we'll wait for you. I'm going to teach you a little secret. When I was new to this thing, I would just open it up and act like I was where they was at. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Here we go. Chapter 9. It says, There was a man from the tribe of Benjamin named Kish. Somebody say Kish. 
He was the son of Abiel, grandson of Zeor, the great-grandson of Bicharath, the great-great-grandson of Ahath, a Benjamite of stalwart character. He had a son, Saul, a most handsome young man. There was none finer. He literally stood head and shoulders above the crowd. Some of Kish's donkeys got lost. Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Saul took one of the servants and went to find the donkeys. Then they went to the hill of Ephraim around Shalisha, but didn't find them. Then they went to um, Shalim, no luck. Then to Jabin, and still nothing. When they got to Zuf, Saul said to the young man with him, Enough of this. Let's go back. Soon my father is going to forget about the donkeys and start worrying about us. He replied, Not so fast. There's a holy man in this town. He carries a lot of weight around here. What he says is always right on the mark. Maybe he can tell us where to go. Saul said, if we go, what do we have to give him? There's no more bread in our sacks. We have we've nothing to uh, bring as a gift to this holy man. Do we have anything else? The servant spoke up. Look, I just happen to have a silver coin. I'll give it to the holy man, and he'll tell us how to proceed. Verse number 10. Good, Saul said. Let's go. And they set off for the town where the holy man lived. As they were climbing up the hill into the town, they saw some girls who were coming out to draw water. Somebody say water. They said to them, is this where the seer lives? They answered, it sure is. Just ahead. Hurry up. He's come today because the people have prepared a sacrifice at the shrine. As soon as you enter the town, you can catch him before he goes up to the shrine to eat. The people won't eat until he arrives, for he has to bless the sacrifice. Only then can everyone eat. So get going. You're sure to find him there. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray, God, by the power found in your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would speak to us in a mighty way. Father, what you did the first service is amazing. But I know you have something in store for this service. And so, Father, I ask that you would remove any distractions and you would speak to us in a powerful way. And Father, I pray that when we're done, that the saints will be edified, that your son Jesus will be glorified, and that Satan and the demons will be horrified. I pray all this in the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. You may be seated in the Lord's house. I've entitled this message, You Are to Anoint Him. Now, the book of 1 Samuel records the transition in, Israel's, in Israel from the period of the judges to the monarchy. This change in Israel's uh, national life revolved mainly around three men. Somebody say three. Samuel, who was the last and great judge, Saul, Israel's first king, and David, whose early adventures before coming to power are tied in with the counts of Samuel and Saul. The theme of the book, like that of other historical writings in the Old Testament, is that faithfulness, somebody say faithfulness, to God brings success. And disobedience, somebody say disobedience, brings disaster. I'll say that again. Faithfulness to God brings success, and disobedience brings disaster. One of the many challenges that one might face while attempting to live for Christ as a Christian tends to revolve around the need to belong. As you seek the Lord and serve the Lord, I believe that you will see great and mighty things take place in our lives. But in order for us to see those things take place, there must be a willingness to be set apart. 
We got to be okay with that. One of the ways to be set apart for God's purpose is for you and I to be anointed by God. The anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life can only come from God. It can only come from God. It's his anointing. So that means it's his to distribute as he finds fit. I know we probably sit around and be like, why did he anoint them? Because he's God. And God does whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. When he holds a board meeting, he doesn't invite me, he doesn't invite you. He's God all by himself. Amen? Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 says, After his baptism, Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Luke 14, 8 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. That's a good spot for an amen. We see even in the life of Christ that he too not only was baptized in water, but he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and received the anointing of God upon him so that he could fulfill what the Father called him to do. My assignment this morning is for me to unpack this particular passage and to pull out some truths that are found within this text that would help us to seek God in such a way that will allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow on us and to flow through us so that we can reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? The first thing you need to know is the definition of anoint. It's to smear or rub uh, with oil, typically as a part of a religious ceremony. It's to nominate, select, or choose someone as a successor or leading candidate for a position. It's to be separated from. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 through 13, the Bible says that God spoke to the prophet Samuel, and he tells him to fill your horn with oil. And he says, go down to Jesse's crib. My bad. For those of you who aren't multilingual, crib means house. He tells them to go down to Jesse's house, and there you will anoint the next king. So he does just that. He goes down to Jesse's house, and Jesse parades all of his sons, and he stands there with the horn. And as he's holding a horn over every single son, the oil does not flow. So Samuel says, is this it? Is there any other son of yours? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's over there tending the sheep. So he says, call him in. We will not sit down. We will remain standing until he shows up. The Bible says he comes in. Prophet holds the horn over him and the oil flows. Let me tell you something. God anoints whoever he wants to anoint. The father paraded all the sons, but it was the one that was tending the sheep that the anointing fell on. Amen? Amen. Point number one, as followers of Christ, we must stand out. 
First Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 through, 1 through 2 says, There was a man from the tribe of Benjamin named Kish. He was the son of Abigail, grandson of Zeor, the great-grandson of Bicharath, the great-great-grandson of Ahab, a Benjamite of stalwart character. He had a son, Saul, a most handsome young man. There was none finer. You know, when I first read that, I thought the Bible was talking about me. They laughed the first service, too. I just don't understand why y'all think that's funny. But there was none finer. He literally stood head and shoulders above the crowd. In other words, Saul stood out. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Somebody say peculiar. That ye should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's good news. That God will grab us out of darkness and bring us into the light. Praise the Lord. The phrase peculiar people uh, um, is, is not found in all the modern translations. It's often used to refer to something belonging to someone as in someone's property. You are a chosen generation. You are a peculiar person chosen by God. Three people got that. You are a peculiar person chosen by God. Nine people got that. You are a peculiar person chosen by the God who created heaven and earth. Amen. That's amazing news. You're wonderfully made in his image. If we look up the word peculiar, it can have several meanings. Probably the most common usage of the word peculiar today is referring uh, to someone or something that's strange, odd, or uncommon. In this verse, Peter is not saying that Christians are strange, odd, or unusual people, even though the world might think of us and look at us that way. What the passage is communicating is that Christians are people who belong to God. They're his holy possession, his only possession. We are set apart for God and God alone. Amen. Another way of saying it is that Christians are God's own special, unique people. And as Christians, we must stand out. We have to. Jesus stood out among the crowd. He was peculiar. He was set apart. He represented God, his father. As followers of Christ, you will feel or you're probably currently feeling the pull of the world. But I want you to know that you are separated from the world. You are God's special possession. Do not allow the world to make you common. You must stand out. Amen. People should be able to look at us and know that we're truly different simply because of our character. They should be able to look at us and see that we don't do what they do. We don't talk like they talk. We don't tweet like they tweet. We don't Facebook like they Facebook. We don't Instagram like they Instagram. We are called by God to be separated so that when people see us, they see the Father. Amen? We must stand out. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. There are two Greek words that are both use, uh, usually translated in the word new. The first is neos, which signifies something that is new in uh, respect of time. That which is recent. It is frequently used in comparing younger people with older people. The second word is kalonos. It's referring to something that is new as uh, to quality of a different nature. I will break that all down in English. How many remember the, the Volkswagen, um, what is it, the Beetle? The Beetle. All right, the bug. So if you had a 1979 Volkswagen Beetle bug, you were the bomb. That means you, you had it going on. And if you wanted to get out of the 79, you upgraded to the 81. Then you upgraded to the 85. Then you upgraded to the 99. Then you upgraded to the 2005. And now you have the 2002. Same Beetle, but a newer version. That's not what this verse is talking about. God's not all interested in making a newer version of me. And he's not interested in upgrading you. What this verse is talking about is Tesla. Y'all know Tesla? The car? Something that has never, ever been created before. I remember we were doing college move jobs where the kids pull up, we empty out the, the, the car, we put them on the bins and we bring them up to their room. All the guys were doing it. And I remember this car pulled up and it was humming. Humming, I mean, no noise. And when I saw it, I, I said to the father, I said, do you mind if I check it out? And he said, go ahead. I, I looked in. I've never seen an iPad on the dashboard before. But that is what the verse is talking about. When we are a new creation in Christ, we are something that has never, ever, ever been created before. And when people see us, you know what they got to say? Check it out. They want to check it out. And that word behold, in the original Hebrew, it's spelled B-E-H-O-L-D. And it means behold. In the Greek, it's spelled B-E-H-O-L-D. And it means behold. In the hood, it's spelled C-H-E-C-K-I-T-O-U-T. Check it out. So when God says behold, you know what he's saying? Check it out. Only God can transform something that was into something that is totally new. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise? Point number two. We must, as followers of Christ, we must be willing to serve. First Samuel 9, 3 says, Some of Kish's donkeys got lost. Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of your servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Saul took one of his servants and went to find the donkeys. The Bible tells us that Saul was set apart, yet the job his father gave him was minimal. He had servants, yet his father sent him to go find the donkeys. Imagine that. God has called you. He has set you apart. He has anointed you. Yet you're asked to empty out the trash barrels in the church. He's anointed you. He set you apart. 
and you're nominated to lead the toilet bowl ministry. <laughs> Amen. He's anointed you. He set you apart, but you're called on to rake leaves and shovel snow. Saul was set apart, yet his father sent him to go find the donkeys. That's what the scripture says. The Bible tells us that God called David to be king, yet he was tending to the sheep. He was working with animals, feeding the sheep, and even cleaning up after them. Yet he was anointed to be king. Jesus was set apart. He was anointed, yet he said, I came to serve, not to be served. Jesus was set apart, yet he washed the feet of 12 men. Dirty feet. Me and feet, we have a mutual agreement. You stay away from me, I will stay away from you. But Jesus washed the feet of 12 men who were walking around in chancletas. Again, for those of you who aren't multilingual, that is flip-flops. 12 men who are wearing flip-flops, the son of man puts on an apron, he gets on his knees, and he washes their feet. As followers of Christ, we must be willing to serve. We must be. I've been in ministry for a pretty long time, and I've come to realize that everybody wants pulpit time, the limelight. Nobody wants toilet bowl time. Everybody wants to preach, but nobody wants to usher until we realize that the person that stands behind the pulpit is just as important as the person that shows up at 7 o'clock in the morning to flip on the lights, until we realize that we are going to miss what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives for the people that are walking in this house. Amen? Enough with this whole thing about status. There's a lot of room in the kingdom of God to do something. We must be willing to serve. The jobs that we tend to think are insignificant are the very jobs that are designed to develop true character. The minimal jobs are the ones that God uses to develop our character. In Acts chapter 6, I'll read it to you real quick. It says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there was rumblings of discontent. The Bible says the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against of the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called the meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should not spend our time, uh, um, should not spend our time, we should spend our time, I'm sorry, teaching the word of God, not running the food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. And, though, and they chose the following. Stephen, and the Bible says, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then they chose six more. Imagine that. The requirement to distribute food, to work in the food pantry, was wisdom full of the Holy Spirit. To give out food? Yes. When it comes to the work of the kingdom of God, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We must be. And it doesn't even stop there. That was just the beginning for Stephen. The Bible says that at some point, Stephen gets his own pulpit. He's out on the street preaching the gospel. He gets arrested. I'm paraphrasing. He gets arrested. Now he's, he's standing before trial. He's in front of the whole council, all these people, and he says, this is my time. And he preaches the gospel from Genesis all the way up into the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. They get so mad. Bible says they dragged him out and they started stoning him. Let me clean that up. They picked up rocks and they, they threw it at him. I don't want anybody saying, well, pastor said, all right, shh, right over their head. That's good. That's a good thing if they didn't catch it. But here's what happened. She caught it. He's going to get it on the way home. Shh, shh, shh. That's what he meant. But anyway, um, so he's there. And the Bible says that he looks up to heaven. The Holy Spirit, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He looks up to heaven. And at that point, the Bible says that he saw Jesus standing. Every other time we read about Jesus or we pray, Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. But this time, he's standing. I don't want to do damage to the, the scriptures, but for me, it's almost like Jesus said, well done, pantry man. Well done, toilet bowl cleaner. Well done, food distributor. Everything we do for the kingdom of God has great significance. Amen? Unfortunately, modern day Christianity has a high focus and emphasis on developing leaders. And in that, we lose the servanthood mentality. Let this never be the case at New Life Christian Assembly. It is my prayer that everyone connected to this church would seek to be the number one server. Amen. The best toilet bowl cleaner in the house. We should be fighting over the, um, what do you call that? That thing. Yeah, the brush. We should be fighting over the plunger. Let that never be the case in this church. Let us always seek to serve the King of Kings and his house. Amen? Amen. Next point. As followers of Christ, we must have a good brother or sister by our side. First Samuel 9, 3-5 says, When they got to Ziph, Saul said to the young man with him, Enough of this. Let's go back. Soon my father's going to forget about the donkeys and start worrying about us. He replied, Not so fast. There's a holy man in this town. He carries a lot of weight around here. What he says is always right on the mark. Maybe he can tell us where to go. Between verses 3 and 6, Saul goes everywhere looking for the donkeys, and he simply can't find them. He can't locate the donkeys. So Saul comes up. He wants to abort the mission. He wants to give up. He wants to throw the towel in. He comes up with a great idea. Great excuse. He says, let's go back. Soon my father's going to forget about the donkeys, and he's going to be worried about us. Had Saul's servant not been there to encourage Saul and to support him and to push him on, Saul probably would have quit. Can I tell you, you and I cannot succeed in the kingdom of God unless we have a solid support system. We will have a very difficult time in our walk with Christ if we don't have a solid brother and a solid sister to encourage us, to pray with us, to challenge us, and to even rebuke us. Unless you have that person in your life that is serious about the kingdom of God, you and I won't last. We'll come up with all the reasons why we should give up. 
Had Saul not had his servant, he probably would have turned back. I want to encourage you to find somebody who's going to push you to where God wants you to be. Amen? Amen. Point number four. As followers of Christ, we must seek to get a word from God. 1 Samuel 9, 6 says, he replied, not so fast. There's a holy man in this town. He carries a lot of weight around here. What he says is always right on the mark. Maybe he can tell us where to go. Hear me out on this. According to the June 2019 research done by Banner Research Group, the most post-Christian city in America is Springfield, Holyoke, Massachusetts. The research shows that the northeastern New England portion of the United States is the most post-Christian region in America. Webster Dictionary defines post-Christian as the decline of Christianity, as the majority religion. In other words, the Christian religion in certain areas is on a decline. Banner bases their post-Christian statistics from the following categories. They say those who disagree that the Bible is accurate. Those who have not read the Bible. They're doing research with people who haven't read the Bible. Makes a lot of sense. Those who do not believe in God. And those that disagree that faith is important in their lives. Their stats show that as a nation, only 25% of the population is considered Bible-minded. If their stats are correct, you ready? If their stats are correct, then it's fair to say that very few in this room right now read their Bible on a daily or weekly basis. I know the struggle is real. I've been there. I know what it's like to go one day and see one day turn to three days and in three days turn to five days and five days turn to eight days and eight days turn to 11 days and 11 days turn to 14 days. I know what it's like. But when I got to the point that I didn't want that to be the pattern for me any longer, I called the brother up and I said, here's what I need you to do for me. I need you to call me every single day. Don't ask me any other questions, but what did you read? And what did God tell you out of his word? And that got me back on track. I don't present these stats to beat you up. I present these stats to build you up. To build you up. I would like to encourage you today that if you are struggling with Bible reading, do exactly what I did. Become transparent and tell somebody, I need help to stay on track. Between verses 10 and 11, we read that Saul continues traveling to get the word of the Lord. And when he finally arrives, he meets up with the prophet Samuel. And Samuel follows through on his assignment that God gave him. You and I cannot live in victory. We sang it. But we cannot live in victory if we are not reading and meditating on the word of God. We can't do it. We can't. I mean, a worship song will uplift my spirit, but the word of God is going to get me through the storm. The word of God is going to tell me who I am. We have got to be people of the word, the whole word, and nothing but the word. Amen? There's a saying that's out there. It says, God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Um, it shouldn't even be like that. God says it, that settles it. Whether I believe it or not is irrelevant. He said it. 
Let us turn this around and let us tell Banner, no, 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 no. This state is Bible-minded. Amen? So if you're struggling with the word, I encourage you, find somebody to read with you to help you get back on track. Praise the Lord. Last point, number five. As followers of Christ, we must seek after the anointing. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1 says, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Like I stated earlier, though conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus needed the baptism of the Spirit. As he embarked on his ministry, he was led by the Holy Spirit. As John baptized Jesus in the Jordan, a second baptism took place. The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. The greatest pattern that you and I have as Christians is Jesus. And if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, I don't even have to finish it, right? Amen. How much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit? I want to encourage you this morning to seek after the gift that the Father has for us. It's a good gift good gift. He only gives good things. Amen? Seek after the anointing of God and let the Holy Spirit empower us to do the work of the kingdom. And I conclude with this priestly blessing found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Anthony, for a good word today. Praise the Lord. Can we stand together for a few moments? With every head bowed for just a minute, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word today. And thank you, choir, for singing, for your ministry, the testimonies. God is good. God is good. Every head bowed. Just want, want us all to think about how fortunate we are to have just experienced what we experienced. We heard testimonies, we heard songs of praise to God. We heard the word of God preached and presented to us. There are so many people in the world that don't have that. And we got it. We got a good dose today. One of the, one of the brothers, when he shared his little talk, said he was... He was in church, but he wasn't in Christ. You know? I think the mic loves you. He, I was in church, but I wasn't in Christ. That's a stark, harsh reality. So, we want to have a, a genuine response today. 
that if you're here and you really feel like, I, I, I don't just want to be in church, I want to be in Christ. You've come to a place in your life where you're ready to give it all up to God. Or you may have stumbled and fallen and you feel like you need to get back on track again. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and walk up here and we'll pray for you. Anybody like that? Just in a step of faith, just walk out, step out, and we'll pray for you today. All right? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Bill Larios, would you mind coming with him, standing with him? Anybody else? Young person? You're not too young. Young adults? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Good for you. Good for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brother Tim, would you mind coming, standing with this person? somebody else I need Jesus today I need Jesus today Brother Wayne you've introduced Team Challenge I know you've been through a lot you lead these two and all of us in the, in the sinner's prayer of repentance you know what to say you know what to say, you've been there died for your sins he got on the cross he was buried and three days later he rose from the dead never to be in a grave again but seated at the right hand of the father and standing up when he needs to stand up and look down and say good and faithful servant well done well that's what he's doing right now he's standing up next to the father looking down at you two men and all of us here and I want you all to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I sinned against you and you alone. I sinned against you and you alone. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. With all my heart. With all my heart. I invite Jesus into my life. I invite Jesus into my life. Because I know he took my place. Because I know he took my place. On the cross. And shed his blood. And shed his blood. To cover my sins. To cover my sins. Father, I accept that. Father, I accept I accept Jesus. I accept Jesus. And his blood. And his blood. To cover me. To cover me. To save me. To save me. To heal me. To heal me. To change me. To change me. Into something new. Into something new. That's never been created before. It's never been created before. I thank you, Father. Thank you. I receive Jesus. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. To teach me. To teach me. To guide me. To guide me. To correct me and rebuke me. To correct me and rebuke me. Whenever you see fit. Whenever you 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. And you alone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Wayne. Praise the Lord. Before we say the final amen, we do want to receive a second offering to Bless Teen Challenge. So um, can the ushers come real quickly and, and pass those baskets around? Praise the Lord. God is good. Thank you, Teen Challenge. Let's let, let them know that we appreciate their ministry today. And uh, did you hear uh, one of the one of the Michaels shared a testimony? He's from Haverhill. And... Um, we talked a little bit earlier. He was familiar with uh, some of the violence in Haverhill a few years ago. But isn't it good to know that he's with Jesus now? It also, many years ago, Michael, over there against the wall, <laughs> was baptized in this baptismal. We, we let another church use our baptismal from time to time. And uh, so he, he was familiar with it, but didn't walk, didn't walk the walk. But he knew where to go to get help. So praise God for that. All right. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to pray. Uh, when we say the... Oh, did you... Yeah, just pass it around. <laughs> I'll pray. I'll pray for it. Lord, bless this offering. Bless this offering. Lord, that we may bless Teen Challenge. Uh, bless this offering. Let it, let it be helpful for them to continue their call of, of this particular ministry. In Jesus' name. Okay, so remember, there's a youth cookout at 5, live stream prayer at 6, and a water baptism at 7. So if you could join us, that would be wonderful. Praise the Lord. Uh, after I say uh, this, this prayer, please make yourself available over there at the table. Uh, you may want to pick something up. Dear Father, Lord God, we thank you for a good day in your house. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of the living God that's moving among us. We pray your blessing over Teen Challenge. We pray your blessing over those that recommitted or accepted you today. And we pray, Lord, for every one of us to take what we heard and apply it to our lives and live under the anointing of your Holy Spirit. We thank you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you, everyone. We'll see you later tonight.